If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. But the father absence crisis in America, I want you to see this with me here. It'll be on the screen. There is a crisis in America. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, that is one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of the societal ills facing America today. Research shows when a child is raised in a father-absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. Poverty. They are four times at a greater risk of poverty. Teen pregnancy, they are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Behavioral problems, they are more likely to have behavioral problems. Child abuse, they're more likely to face abuse and neglect. Mom-child health, they are two times greater risk of infant mortality. Substance abuse, they are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Incarceration, they're more likely to go to prison. Child obesity, they are two times more likely to suffer obesity. Crime, they are more likely to commit crime. Education, they are two times more likely to drop out of school. Let me say it again. 18.3 million children are without biological fathers at home. There's a crisis of fatherhood in our land. And whether you realize it or not, and you'll, you'll see a video at the end where there is a woman who is communicating and she is talking. She's the one that I quoted here. And she, and I, I encourage you to watch the video. It's a TED Talk. I want to warn you, she's not the greatest speaker. I think she's new at the whole TED Talk stuff. But she dropped some, 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 some serious knowledge in this area. And I want to forewarn you, there is one expletive in the video. I'm just going to let you know right now. But I still encourage you to watch it because we need to see that. So I want you to give a hand to the men who are doing the thing, who are doing this thing called fatherhood. I appreciate you men. You, you matter. And that's what I want to talk about today is dads matter. Dads matter. And we cannot ever allow anyone to make us feel differently. I'll say this, and I want you to think about this this morning. God designed us so that the value of men and the lives of their children would be undeniable. Dads matter. You hear that? God, listen, it's not, it's, it's not the church's thing. It's not some male chauvinist thing. And ladies, you know, on Mother's Day, I told the dad that I'm going to talk to the, the women. So, so ladies, I'm letting you know I'm talking to the men today. Amen. There'll be some things for you to glean. There'll be some things for you to grab. But I, I, I want to speak to the dads in this place or the dads-to-be in this place because I think that it is extremely important that we realize that God designed us. God did this. This is not something that man fabricated. God designed us so that the value of men in the lives of their children would be undeniable. Whether it is positive in a child's life or negative, it is undeniable how important you are. 
Whether you are absent, whether you are present, it is undeniable how important fathers are. And so again, I want to remind you that dads matter. If you would, stand with me, please. Open your Bible to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 1, that's the first book in the gospel. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 18 to verse 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse 25. When you got it, say so. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, Being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, uh, by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took, to his, and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for your word today that is true, that is living, that is powerful, and that is mighty. God, may you speak from your throne to our hearts today. May we hear what your spirit is saying to your church. May we not just hear it, may we internalize it, and may we live it for your glory. I pray that you captivate our minds and our hearts, remove distractions from us in the mighty name of Jesus. Be glorified in this time. We pray this in Jesus' good name, and everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The first thing I would like to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, dads matter matter. because Because they teach us what honor is. is. Dads matter because they teach us what honor is. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to assume the best of every man in this room and every man that's watching online. I'm going to assume that everything we're going to talk about today, that this is who you are. I'm going to challenge you to be that man on whatever stage you are in your life. And now, what I don't want to do is I don't want to um, misuse the text here because the scriptures that we're looking at are miraculous. They are a reminder of the miracle birth of Jesus Christ, and they honor what God did in such a powerful, powerful way, these prophetic words that came forth. However, there is one character in this story that I think many times gets looked over. And we we honor, you know, Mary and we thank God for what he did there. And we obviously thank God for the miracle of the birth of, of the birth of Jesus and this in this miracle of bringing to pass scripture. But there's a guy by the name of Joseph who is a dad who we can learn some stuff from. We can glean, and it's only a few verses. I mean, 
this is the only time you hear about Joseph. Like, you don't hear about Joseph after this. It's like Joseph had one thing to do, get a dream, answer, respond, and that's it. And we don't hear anything else. I mean, later on when, you know, they're at the temple, 12-year-old Jesus gets lost. You know, he's over there teaching the people, hallelujah. We hear about Joseph again, but nonetheless, what I'm saying is we don't see Joseph as a dominant figure in the life of Jesus throughout. We don't see the time that Joseph spent teaching his, and it was his stepson, teaching his stepson truth, pointing his stepson to his heavenly father. We don't see that kind of stuff there, but we obviously know that it happened because that is the way that the Hebrew culture was. The fathers were responsible for the indoctrination and teaching of their, of their children along with the wife. But Joseph is a man that shows us this first thing, which is that of honor. Look at verse 18 and 19. We just read this together. And it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. There we see here that there was this engagement, but betrothal was like engagement on steroids. And so there was already a dowry that was given. Uh, in other words, the husband had already paid the father for the bride. And, 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 and what, I don't mean paid like she's property. Hello. Hmm. He, he had already given, you know, showing that he cared for her, valued her, and, and that he loved her. He demonstrated that already. They were committed to being together. There really was no walking away from this. You know, people today, it's like, take off the ring. I'm going to throw it. It's over. <laughs> you, I, I don't want this. It wasn't like that. It wasn't none of that stuff. You know what? I'm calling this engagement off. It wasn't like that. You literally, when you were betrothed, you had already signed a contract. This was going to be your spouse, and Joseph is in a, in, in a conundrum because he is like, okay, hold on a second. This was a virgin, I thought. Come on now. Now let's just now, now let, let, let's not be super spiritual at this moment, okay? Let's just let's just go to Joseph's situation here. Joseph is a man just like any other man in this room, and his beautiful wife that he is waiting to be married to, to consummate his marriage, comes to him and says, babe, sit down, we need to talk. And Joseph's like, yeah, what's, what's going on, babe? You, you know. Did you want to make some changes to the wedding? Did you want to add somebody? Did you want to throw someone? I want to throw some people off the list. What, what, what is it that, what, what's going on? And babe, I need, you, you know, you've, you've had that conversation with someone, haven't you? Where someone, it makes, they make you nervous, like you're like, wait, hold on a second. Or you know, the worst one is like you're getting ready to go in someplace or you got to get off the call. You got you to go in there. Hey, I got to talk to you later on. Okay, so you're distracted the entire meeting. You're, it's like, you know what? I'm going to cancel this meeting. You and I got to talk right now. So Mary, his beautiful wife, Virgin wife comes to him, and it says, before they came together, she was found with child. Pause for a moment. I know your Bible says of the Holy Spirit. That's because we know this. Joseph did not know this. Mary says, babe, I had an encounter with an angel. And Joseph's like, what? Is this Genesis like six again or something? where the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were beautiful. What are you talking about, babe? You had an encounter with an angel. I had an encounter with an angel, babe. And I knew you were holy, but my goodness. 
I'm with child. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You had an encounter with an angel. Now you're saying you're pregnant. What's wrong with you, woman? This is Joe. I, I know y'all. I know. I know. We want to be real spiritual when we read this, but can we just put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for a moment? I mean, I'm talking about homeboy. Was like, what? No, no, no. You lying. You ain't. You ain't that holy. You are not that spiritual. That ain't ever happened before. Hello. You talk. I, I know how people get pregnant. Hello. I, you know, Joseph is. He's. He's wrestling with this stuff, and we know this because verse nineteen says, "Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly." Verse twenty. But while he thought about these things, all right, babe, we done talking. Okay. I'll see you later. And Joseph walks out because he's probably a better man than me, I'm going to assume. Because I would have probably been cursing. I would have been acting a fool. I would not have been righteous. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm keeping it 100 with you. It says Joseph was a righteous man. So he walked away. He said, all right, babe. He couldn't say I'll call you later, but he said, I'll see you later. (laughs) And as Joseph wrestles with this stuff, he is like, God... You know what? I love Mary. I don't want to make her look bad. I don't know if this is true, but you know what? I'm not going to dog her out like that. I know that was an old word. Anyway, I'm not going to do her dirty like that. I'm I'm, I'm not going to make her a public spectacle in the midst of whatever she's going through. I don't know what she's going through, but I love her. And, you know, and even though she did me dirty, you know what? I'm not going to return the favor. I'm going to be a righteous man. I'm going to be a just man. Technically, it says what? It doesn't say that Joseph was a man of honor. It says he was a just man. He was a righteous man. What does it mean to be a righteous man or just man? It means to be a man who is upright. It means to be a man who keeps divine laws. It means to be a virtuous man. So in my view, this is what a man of honor is. It is one who is upright. It is one who looks to God's laws and wants to obey what God says, even when he doesn't like it. It is a man who is virtuous. And in this case, I want you to understand, it wasn't just that Mary was going to look bad. If he would have put Mary out there in front of everyone, she was going to be stoned. Now, 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 there's no guarantee that they would have stoned her. That's why he wanted to put her away secretly, because according to God's law, I mean, these are things that could have happened. And so Joseph doesn't want to dishonor her because he was looking at her from a different perspective. And so this was a man of honor, a man of respect. And dads, that's what we teach our kids. We teach our kids respect. We teach, and, and, and we teach them respect. We teach them the value of respect. We teach them what that means to be respectful, to respect people, to look people in the all, all those little things, to respect people as God's image bearers. That's what we teach our kids. I remember my grandmother, she used to tell me when I was younger, she'd be like, well, you don't respect yourself. And I'm like, what? Because, you know, I was all about respect. But as I grew up, I started to realize I did not respect myself. Therefore, you know what I did? I disrespected other people. But when I understood, when I come to understand the value of God's creation, you know what happens? I start to treat everyone with a certain respect. 
I start to treat everyone with a certain level of honor because of who I am. Being a father who is going to make a lasting positive impact upon our children is rooted in being a man of integrity. Men, we must stand for righteousness in our homes. Hallelujah. We must stand for righteousness in the community. We must, we must stand for righteousness when no one is looking and when everyone is looking. That's what it means to be a man of integrity that's going to make a lasting impact in the lives of our children. We must keep this in mind that we are instilling values in our children by our devotion to the things that we value, seen or unseen. Are you here? See, dads, you could say you value this, but your actions really say what you value. You can say that God is number one or God is at the center but your actions will tell if that's the truth or not. See, we, we show our kids what we value by the way that we treat our spouse, the way that we treat other people. We, we, we show them if we really respect folks by the way we talk about them behind their backs. Come on now. Do we talk good? Do we talk honorably? Or... Are we instilling different thoughts? See, Joseph was a man who was like, man, I know that I don't believe this. I don't believe what she has told me. I, I don't think that this is true, but I don't want to dishonor her. I don't want her to be dishonored. I, I want to do the honorable thing even when it hurts. And so we have to be men that teach our children honor. The second thing I would ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, dads matter. Because they teach us faith to hear and obey the Lord. They teach us faith. Dads, this is what we do. We teach our kids faith. What is faith? Faith is hearing from God and obeying God. It's not just saying, oh, I believe. No, 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 no. It is hearing what God's word says. It is hearing and embracing it and saying, I'm going to live this because I believe this. I'm going to obey this because I believe this. So let's look at Joseph again, verse 20, and we'll look to verse 24. It says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now listen, I just want to pause for a moment because I'm not saying that an angel of the Lord is going to appear to you in dreams. Hello. I quoted this, I think, on Wednesday. I might have quoted it on a Sunday, but there was, there, there's this rapper, and I don't even know who it is. I have no clue. But I was listening to one of his songs, and he said this. He said, don't be saying God is silent when your Bible is closed. Let me say it again. Don't be saying God is silent when your Bible is closed. In other words, God, speak to me. I did. Lord, speak to me. I have. Lord, speak to me. I've already inspired my word. It is living. It is active. Is God going to speak to us in supernatural ways? I believe absolutely yes. I believe that God is still speaking. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't expect to hear God's audible voice every day. Hello. But for some of you, I challenge you guys, and some of you took the challenge, some of you didn't. I challenge you, sit before the Lord 15 minutes a day in silence and just ask God, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. 
And you know what I've found in this time is that God may not speak to me in those 15 minutes, but you know what? Throughout my day, I'm hearing him, his, his direction, his guidance, his spirit still speaks. God is not silent. He is not dead. He didn't go on ahead, create everything, send his son to die. Jesus rise again. They're sitting on a throne and he no longer speaks, no longer engages creation. That is not the God that we know. The God that we know is actively involved with us. We just have to attune ourselves to him. Dads, we teach our children faith. We teach them how to hear from God, how to obey God. When it's decision-making time, we don't just have a list of pros and cons. We have a prayer closet that we go into, and we seek the Lord. When there is no clarity, we show our children we do not move and make decisions until we know what God's will is. I know that's heavy because, you know, for dads, you know what we want to do? We want to fix everything. Hey, let me t- let's see what's broken. Let's fix it. Let's get it right. We don't have time to wait on stuff. You know, we're so used. We, we don't have to wait on anything. We see the problem. We see the solution. That's it. You know what God says? Wait on me. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Don't get ahead of me. Don't move beyond where I am moving you. Don't act like I spoke to you when I have not. It's okay to say, I'm not sure. Dads, it's better for us to say, I'm not sure, than act like you know it and lead your family into all kind of hell and calamity. It's better to not move than to move without God's direction and wisdom. We teach our kids to obey. And so Joseph, he has this angel appear to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This had to be the most relieving dream ever. (laughs) Joseph was like, she's not a hoochie, hallelujah. (laughs) He didn't say that word because I don't think that word existed back then. He probably said, you know, she's not a whoremonger. I don't know what the word was. That's a King James word. I'm pretty sure, I don't, anyway. I don't, know the, I don't know the Hebrew word for that. But anyway, it, it probably sounds crazy. But, uh, you know, Hebrew's like, it's probably, she's not that. She's not, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'll find it out one day. I, I'm going to take a Hebrew class soon, and then I'll let you guys know what that word is. What is born of her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I think he went from excitement to the greatest fear he's ever known. I think he went from like, yes, this is the Holy Spirit, to like, no. I wish she was that instead, and you were just saying marry her. But God speaks to him and tells him she will bring forth the son and he will save the world. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and look what it says, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. What does Joseph do? 
He immediately responds to God's word. God speaks to him. God makes clear what his will is, and he obeys without question. He had questions. He was thinking about it. I'm sure. I'm going to assume the best of Joseph. He was praying about this. He was perplexed about this. He was overwhelmed. I hope I painted the picture for you well enough that you could see if you were in Joseph's shoes, you would be a bit overwhelmed as well. And Joseph goes to sleep and God comes to him and speaks to him and lets him know, Joseph, everything is good. I am working. I have done this thing in Mary that is to be your wife. Take her as your wife. And what is he, he obeys, he responds, and he makes sure that he doesn't make, make any mistake, right? He doesn't know her intimately. Why? Because if he did, then people would be like, oh, that wasn't the son of God. That was Joseph's son. And so Joseph doesn't know her. He obeys her. It is important to note this. I think that this is extremely important. I said that we don't hear much about Joseph in the scriptures, but after Mary's original encounter with the angel Gabriel, notice who God speaks to in order to lead the family. He doesn't visit Mary again and say, hey, Mary, I want you to do this and that. No, no, no. He visits Joseph and he says, Joseph, do this, this, and this. When you read chapter two, don't do it now, but read chapter two later on, and you're gonna see who God speaks to and directing the family, it is Joseph. He is guiding the father because that's the way that God operates. But talk about pressure, come on now. He has now gotta be the father, right? The stepfather, the earthly father of the son of God. Pressure, a little bit? Can't mess this up, right? Like, oh my goodness. I remember, you know, being uh, about to be a, a, a dad for the first, you know, first time. And I'm going to tell you something. I was, I, 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 how was I, 25, I think? 25, something, I don't know. Anyway, I was, I was 25. And I want you to know that I was not, I was excited to be a dad. I wasn't afraid in any way, shape, or form because I was an idiot. I have no problem telling you I was an idiot. Because I thought, man, I pray, I seek the Lord. I know God. I, God's going to lead me. You know, oh, yeah, okay. Amen. Thank God for his grace. But I remember as we were planning for Josiah, and I remember talking to Sister D one day after one of our small groups, and I said, Miss D, I am more fearful than I have ever been in my life because I don't want to mess this up. Alexis, I'm sorry that I've messed up so much. <laughs> I'm going to ap apologize to Josiah a lot too because I've messed up plenty there. But when I understood the weight of what it was to raise a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord, when I understood the weight of what it was that God is giving me arrows, right? Because their children are an inheritance of the Lord. They're like arrows in the quip, right? You know all that scripture, right? Okay, so when I understood the seriousness of that, I started to be like, my goodness, I I'm responsible for making sure this arrow is going to hit the target, when I understood that, the fear
fear of God grip my heart in a way that I can't even explain it to you. I still tremble. I'm still before God's presence. God, please help my children to know you. Help them to see you through me even though I'm not perfect and I don't walk on walk. God, help me to be an example. Help me to lead my children in the way that they are to go. God, don't let me do this on my own strength or my own wisdom. Let me not make up the rules as I go along, but let me look at your book and let me make sure I point them to the book. let, Let me make sure I lead them in the way of righteousness. My goodness. So I can only imagine Joseph. He's like, man, I don't want to wake up out of this dream. Like, this is the son of God. He understood the weight of that. The pressure is on us, dads, the same way that it was on him. No, we're not raising the son or the daughter of God. No, we're not doing that. But we are raising a son and a daughter of God. We are raising one that we are above everything else. Want to make sure that we are pointing them to the father so that way the father can point them to the target he has for them. This is our call as dads. Oh, there's pressure there. There's weight there. Dads, our, the, the pressure is to ensure that we influence them in a godly way, that we influence them in a spirit-led way, that we influence them in a scripturally sound way, that we direct them. One of the things, and, and this saddens my heart so much, dads, and I'm not saying that in this room because I'm really not saying that. I'm just saying in general throughout our world and you know, throughout the church, you know what I don't hear very often? My dad's faith influenced me. My dad's faith made an impact in my life. My dad's faith made me want more of God. My dad's faith challenged me to follow Jesus more closely. My dad's faith called me to a deeper place of prayer. See, I don't hear that a lot. And you want to know why I don't think I hear that a lot? It's because, dads, you haven't been told how important you are. Because, dads, you haven't been told how vital you are to the growth of your children spiritually. Because, dads, you've been lied to and you've been told that women can do it all, that you're really not necessary, that all you got to do is go and work a job and bring some money home. You don't have to influence family. You don't have to make decisions. The devil is a liar. Every man in this place that is a dad, I don't care if you're a father of a little baby. I don't care if you're a father of someone who's pregnant. I don't care if you're a father of grown folks. You are vital to your children. And don't let the enemy steal that. Don't let the enemy lie to you about that. You need to know your voice matters. Your voice matters in the life of your children. Listen, I know there's a lot of absentee dads and a lot of dads that have abandoned and never came. Listen, I am sad and I'm broken about that. But listen, that does not change how important you are as a man, how important you are as a voice into your children's life. And so don't let society, don't let, don't listen, ladies, I love you. Don't let a woman, don't let anybody make you think you're less than. You are imperative to the growth of your children's life. Dads, I say this sincerely, don't don't underestimate the value of your devotional time with the Lord. Hear me when I say that. Do not underestimate the value of your devotional time with the Lord. For the dads that are in the room, you're going to get this devotional before you leave here today. I love the back of this book my wife pointed out to me. 
And it is this, if you don't want to move, you might as well put this book down right now. It's a 70-part devotional, 70 devotionals that are in there from a guy that's a dad that what he wants, or he's a, he's a man. And, and, and I read the introduction to it. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't agree with every single thing in the introduction, but here's what I know. I know that this is a man that wants to help men, wants to help men be men, wants to help men grow. Guys, I challenge you. If you, listen, I, even, even if you have, this is what I'm doing, because I didn't know we were getting this, and so I already have some things that I'm doing right now in my devotional time, but the next step that I'm taking in my devotional time is these 70 days right here, to seek God and pursue him. But dads, I want you to know, do not undervalue your devotional time with God. Do not undervalue your time of seeking God for two things. Number one, because you need to know that heaven moves when we seek the God who is seated on the throne of heaven over our children's lives. We, I don't know if you believe that stuff, but I do believe that. I believe that when we pray, we are approaching a heavenly father who is on a throne. And he says clearly that, listen, if we being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will he give better things? The Holy Spirit spirit when we ask we have a heavenly father he knows what it is to be a father hey he knows what it is to be a father of wayward children he knows what it is to be a father of people who want nothing to do with him he knows what it is to be a father of those who run to him and say daddy i love you he's got it all covered hello Dads, do not underestimate your time with your heavenly father. You need to make that a priority, and you need to make it a priority to pray over your children, to seek God on their behalf. But secondly, in this natural realm, your kids need to know you pray. Did you hear me? Your kids, they don't need to just hear that you pray. They need to hear you praying. Oh, dads, I know, I know sometimes, you know, one of the things I know some of us men struggle with because, you know, our wives are so spiritual and sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, I can't pray like her or, you know, you, you feel like you heard somebody pray in church and I can't pray like them. Listen, that's the devil. Hello. You don't know how to pray. You know how you learn to pray? Pray. You want to grow in prayer? Pray. Talk to the Lord. Speak to him, commune with him, spend time with him. Let God mold you as the man that he wants you to be and let him, listen, let him show your kids how to pray. Some of the most beautiful moments that I remember in my life is being in a room in prayer and having my daughter walk in the room and, you know, she didn't know any better. You know, Elaine knew the door was locked. She didn't come in the room. Alexis didn't know. She's like, oh, I'm going to daddy's in there. I'm going in there. And I would just take my daughter and I would sit her on the seat where I was praying and I would pray over her. My son, you know, we have our times where, you know, he, he sees me praying. Last night we were here and he interrupted me like two times, glory to God, hallelujah. <laughs> but I brought him here, you know, on, on Saturday nights I come here, I worship, I pray, I seek the Lord. And I'm like, Josiah, why don't you come with me, man? I'm going to go worship and pray and seek the Lord. And, you know, he's, he's good while he's on the drums. He's like, yeah, let's do it, Dad, come on. And we worship and he's learning. And you know what? I just want to get him in the presence of God as much as possible. He may not understand it all right now, but there's going to be a day that he's going to be appreciative that his daddy loved Jesus and that his daddy was pointing him to Jesus. And listen, I know, I know some of you men right now, you're feeling a weight of conviction like, man, I suck. You're right. I suck right with you. 
and I do not walk in water. But dads, listen, today can be the day that you said, I'm going to be the dad that God wants me to be. I am going to humble myself before God, and I may have missed 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, I don't care how many years it is. Say, God, I'm not going to miss another day. I'm not going to miss another day. Listen, I'm going I'm to tell you something, because I, 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 I want you to feel the weight of this coming from a sincere place, not just the pastor preaching to you. For 18 years, we've been, we've been in this place, not this place, but we've been, church, we've been a church. And I can tell you that probably for the last month or so has been the time in those 18 years that I have prayed more than I've ever prayed. And that I have sought, and I have repented before God for every year, every day, every moment that I have missed seeking God. And I can tell you this, and I say this sincerely, as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, I have failed you in that area. Because I should have led you better. I should have led you more faithfully as an example in seeking the faith. Oh, did I have a relationship with God? Of course I had a relationship with God. Did I roll out of my bed onto my knees almost every day? My wife can tell you that. She lays in the bed with me. She feels me when I move. Hello, I'm not a ninja, glory to God. But that, that, that wasn't... What God wanted, and, and I'm just telling you, church, and this is for everyone, man, woman, child, doesn't matter. God wants more of your time. God wants your surrender. He wants your submission. And dads, men, I'm telling you something. If you will surrender, you will see God in ways you never th thought possible. You will see God move in your personal life, but you will see God move in, your, in, in, in the people's lives around you, and you'll be amazed at what God is doing. But guys, it takes surrender. It takes a heart that says, God, I want more of you. I want more. I, I don't want to do this on my own strength. I don't want to do this on my own wisdom. I don't want to do this because you know what? We can't. We can't. We need the strength. We need the grace. We need the power of God. And so dads, I ask you this question. Are you living your faith before your children? Are you living your faith before your children? Sometimes that's painful because to live your faith is not always easy. Everybody wants that easy living faith. You know, that faith that I pray and God just answers right away and we're good to go. That faith that I just seek the Lord and God says, yes, go ahead, son, move that way. Oh, yeah, son, do this. Yeah, do. We want that kind of stuff. We, we, we don't want the tough faith that says, hey, you got to go through the grind. We don't want the difficult faith that says, yeah, I got to wake up early to see God. I can't just like just float through life. Well, I pray throughout the day. Amen. Amen. Pray throughout the day. That's good. But I, but I, I challenge you. You better get alone with God. You better get alone with him with no distractions and seek him <coughs> so that way he can live and move through you as a father. So dads, the question is, are you living your faith before God? The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, dads matter yes. because yes. they speak <clears throat> identity, identity and destiny over us. Dads matter because they speak identity and destiny over us. Look at verse 25. And it says, And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It didn't say Mary 
named him. And he called his name Jesus. Now, I may not know Hebrew, but I do know a little bit about Hebrew culture. And what I know about Hebrew culture is that names matter. When you look in the scriptures, names matter. Names speak to the identity of the one being named. They speak to the identity and they speak to the destiny. And what does God do? Because God is a God of order, he uses Joseph to name God the Son. He uses Joseph to declare See, you know what? This is powerful for us. You got to hear this now because he used Joseph to declare the destiny over his life. So check it out. Whether you're a biological father, whether you're an adoptive father, whether you're a stand-in father, we need some of those. Hello. You have the ability to speak identity and destiny into the lives of those whom God would entrust to you. Because he is a God of order, he uses the biblical order of blessing by the father in naming the child. And ultimately, he speaks identity. He speaks destiny into the child's life. All of the negative statistics that we looked at earlier, all of those negative things that we saw earlier, you know what all of those things do? All of those things should leave no doubt that God has chosen dads to unequivocally influence the destiny and impact the identity of their children. Let me say that again. All of the negative statistics that we discussed that I talked about earlier in the beginning should leave us no doubt that God has chosen dads to unite uniquely influence the destiny and impact the identity of their children. Let me say this to the church. This is why we need to be praying for men. This is because there's some men that are unsaved that are dads, and guess what? They're not going to speak identity. They're not going to speak destiny. They're going to lead our children the wrong way. It's just factual. That's how God... God designed this thing to be that way. And so we need to be praying over our children. We need to be praying. Everyone should be praying for men, especially. Listen, if you know someone who is, who is married to someone who's not saved, you know what you should be doing? You should be interceding for that dad all the time. That should be something that is deep-rooted inside of your heart, that we would pray that way. But, but guys, you need to know this. God has called us to speak identity and destiny to our children. I'll say this about naming a child. Naming a child is only the beginning of cultivating character. Hello. As I said, we don't see much about Joseph. But we know enough to know that Joseph brought his family to the temple to worship at the times that they were supposed to worship. We know that because when Jesus was 12, guess where they were? They were in the temple during a time of feasting, a time of worship. So Joseph was leading his family in a biblical way. He was guiding his family. In a bit. He was cultivating the character of not just Jesus, but he was cultivating the character of all of Jesus' brothers and sisters. He was developing their character and leading them the way that they should go. But here's what happens when you are the one who is responsible for naming and speaking identity and destiny. It keeps you focused on who the child really is. See, here's what we have to understand. We own nothing. Nothing and no one belongs to us. Oh, they may have our last name. <laughs> they may have our attitude. They may have our brains, hallelujah. Or the lack thereof, I don't you know. 
They may have certain things that are, that are, that are like us, whether it's genetic or it's development, whatever it is. They, they, they may have those things, but they are not ours. They are God's kids. That's their identity. They are God's children. That is the identity we need to be speaking into them. And, and it keeps us focused on what God's purpose is for them. What is God's purpose for all of us? It is to glorify him in everything we do. That is our destiny. It's not all this other stuff. Because if we teach our kids you belong to God and your destiny is to glorify him, guess what? They're going to they're find themselves where God wants them. Because we have taught them the most important thing, which is to live out of their identity as children of God who are loved by him. And we are teaching them to live for his glory in everything that they do. Here's my closing question for you. Do you understand the value of fatherhood? Do you understand the value of fatherhood? And this is for everyone in the room. Do you get it? Do you understand it? I want you to check out this video that I have, and just remember this is you're coming at the tail end of a video. But I want you to hear these words because I think these are words that will be encouraging, and I think that these are words that will help us put into perspective how much or how much value there is in fatherhood. The fate of nearly half of America's children depends on it. I'd like to close by asking all of you to do one final thing. Please stand if you were able or raise your hand. I'm serious, please. If you grew up without a father, if you raised or raising a child without a father, or if you were a father who's been separated from your child. Now, look around. The people really affected by fatherlessness, really look. Those of you standing and raising your hands aren't numbers. You're real, living, and feeling humans. You're the children scarred by fatherlessness. Now let me tell you who can't stand. The 1,000 fatherless children who were murdered last year. The 3,000 fatherless children who died from drugs. The 3,200 fatherless children who committed suicide last year and the 14,000 fatherless children who were incarcerated. Everyone, please stand for them and do everything you can to help the remaining 17 million fatherless children avoid these fates. Thank you. Would you stand with me, please? If there's, a, if there's a dad next to you, I'm going to ask you to put, put your hand on him. I'm going to ask you to pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for his, his strength. Pray that he would know his value as a dad. Pray that he would... not succumb to condemnation or feelings of inadequacy, but that he would realize that God 
created him with a great purpose. Father, we come before you right now in humble recognition that you are a great and mighty God and you are a good, good father to us. And Lord, we thank you so much for these men that you have raised up, whether we realize it or not, God, you have raised us up to be those who instill purpose, who instill identity, who lead our families faithfully. Lord, I pray for these men in this room. I pray first against condemnation, God. I pray against every stronghold of the enemy that would try to keep my brothers silent, God. I pray that these would be men that would know their purpose in you. Lord, I pray secondly against every voice, Lord God, that has tried to emasculate them, my God. Father, I come against the diabolic lies of the enemy, and I pray, Lord God, that your sons would rise in this place, my Lord, and that they would be the men you've called them to be, that we would be able to stand together, and that we would champion the call to be dads, to be fathers, and to lead our children unto our great and glorious Savior, God. Father, I pray for those in this room, dear God, that have struggled, dear Lord, because of fatherlessness in their lives or those that are online. Lord God, may you visit them even now. Lord God, some of them that may see themselves as statistics, let them know today that you are the good father, that you are the statistic breaker, that you are the healer of the brokenhearted, that you are the healer of the abused, that you are the healer, oh Lord God, that you meet us as daddy, that you meet us as one who loves us more than we could ever understand, God. Father, today, I pray for any dad in here that doesn't know you, that hasn't surrendered their life to you, for any person that hasn't surrendered their life to you, may today be the day that they call on you, God. Right now, Lord, as I'm praying, may they know that you're calling them and may they respond to you in faith. May they humble themselves before you, God. May they cry out in repentance. And Holy Spirit, may you fill them in the name that is above all names and the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Will you give the Lord a hand of praise? He surely is worthy.